0: You know, today we are continuing the sermon series, Greater Than, and today it's generosity greater than greed. Now, I think all of us know what greed is, but I thought we'd just kind of center ourselves right now and get this out of the way, you know? We, we've got to define greed, and greed is that intense and selfish desire for something that one may not have, you know, the Ten Commandments... Says, Thou shalt not covet. This is really close to this greed definition. Or it's an intense and selfish desire for something that one has and wants more of it, and especially pertaining to uh, wealth and and fame and power. And sometimes greed can be holding on to uh, what you have and, and it becoming an obsession, even like a god. And and you know what Paul is saying to Timothy in this text that we're going to read today. Paul is saying when when greed gets coupled with arrogance and superiority and a disdainful haughtiness, then the person is not rich. No matter how much money they have, they're poor. So this morning what I want us to do is I I want us to talk about what it means to be rich this morning. In in light of generosity. And I want to talk about it via a letter that Paul wrote to the young Timothy about his congregation. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to First Timothy, the 6th chapter, the 17th through the 19th verses. And let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. As for those who are in this present age rich... Command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And I love that. God who richly provides for us everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works generous, and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's say, thanks be to God. That was pretty good, kind of scattered. Let's do it one more time. Thanks be to God. All right, you may be seated. You passed. You know, the first thing I want to say this morning, and I think this scripture, it, it's, 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 it's the foundation of this scripture. It's what Paul wants everybody to know. But, but what I want us to be reminded about today is that life is a gift. We have been given life. And, and if we have that first fact registering with us, then we know what the foundation for generosity being greater than greed is. It is the acknowledgement of the fact that we have a life that's been given to us. It was not deserved. It was not merited. It just came to us as a free gift of grace to live this life as we would live it in relationship with God and with others. You know, our sin is that we've lost that sense of gratitude about the gift of life. And when we lose that, that childlike trust that, that God has given us such a good gift of life, don't you love it when little children just play with, with, with a, a, without abandon? They just love everything about life. It's all about enjoying the present. And Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, when I was reading that, I was thinking about um, this past week, about sitting in my grandmother's, not in her lap, but on the piano bench with her. And I remember that uh, my grandmother, who was such a hero in my life, how she would play the piano. She wasn't a great pianist, and she really probably wasn't a great singer, but I thought she was a great singer. She sang alto, Dee Dee. And uh, my grandmother would sing out the Cokesbury Hymnal, and I'd sit there with her, and we'd sing. And, And I remember one of her favorite hymns, she'd sing over and over again. Nearly every, I, th- I guess she could play it well, I don't know, but she'd play count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. Now, whatever her intention was, that has stayed with me for 50 plus years that one of our best responses in life is to know that life is a blessing and that when God gives us life as a blessing, God doesn't quit. God gives us life, life, life over and over and over again and gives us things for us to enjoy life. Jesus said, I have come that you will have life and not just life, but that you'll have life, abundant life. You know, We need to let that sink in. Because I think that we need to know that God desires for us to recognize this gift and to live out life as a good gift from God, live it out to its fullest. And if we get that, then I think we're ready to take that next step that that Paul is leading Timothy in. And that is that step that undergirds what generosity is all about and that we need to 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 recognize life being a gift, and our response is to have great gratitude. Now, this past week, I was reflecting on generosity, and I remembered a lunch that I had with a a member of our church and a good friend of mine. Um, Nearly two years ago, we had this lunch. And I remember what set the lunch up. I remember that he had just received a very prestigious award and I was so happy for him, and I wanted to have lunch with him so that we could just celebrate it, so he could tell me all about it. And, and, and so we made that lunch date. And he had received this award from an outstanding university, and it he was inducted into that university's hall of fame for business achievement, and he was the distinguished alumni of the year of this great school. And so we had a lot that we could celebrate, right? And, and I remember as we sat down and after the small talk, we, we zeroed in on the, uh, the award and all of that. And, and, and he said, you know, Stan, I was just overwhelmed. And I thought to myself, no one would have been surprised that you would have received that award given what you have accomplished. But he said, I was overwhelmed. He said, my daughter introduced me. And there were hundreds of people there. And and, and she she got up and she started talking about how blessed she was to be our daughter. And she started talking about my wife and me and and, and all of the things that that she said we'd done for her. And and he said it was overwhelming. He said, when I got up before the hundreds of people there that were there for the award ceremony, he said, I I just told him I said, you know, I really appreciate this award and it's a high honor but let me tell you the greatest gift i've had tonight is to hear my daughter introduce me and he said when i said that the whole crowd erupted in applause and then he started talking about his daughter and his grandchildren and all of and his wife and everything is such a gift and and then after that I, he, he started talking about his upbringing. and You know, this man's wealthy. He'd be rich by any person's standards. But he started talking about being raised poor in North Carolina. How his mom and dad could barely make ends meet. So he worked as a child even to help them make ends meet. And then when he went to college, they tried to send him to college. And he had to work to help them send him to college. And then he started talking about people. He started naming people who had opened doors for him to go to college and opened doors for him to go to to, uh, graduate school and opened doors for him to go to law school. And he started talking about this person and that person. He was reading me this list of who's who. I didn't know any of them. But you could just see what was going on in his mind. That was this great gratitude. And then he said, and, and my mother, he said, I couldn't tell you how wonderful my mother is. She, she, I owe her so much. And he said, I remember her telling me once that, that if we stay close to God in our life, that God will send us angels who will help us make a way. And he said, you know, Pastor, I have experienced that. But the greatest angel in my life was my mother. And, and, and all that she did for me at great sacrifice, you know i'd had time with him for lunch so we could celebrate him right and we didn't even get to celebrating him because he was so busy wanting to celebrate everybody else and you know i just i was just taught something there that that, that this person's living out that that great generosity this person knows that life is a gift he knows that many of the things he enjoys in life and the things that he counts as blessings are things that were given to him undeserved, those doors that were opened and he just couldn't, he just was overwhelmed with needing to say thank you and acknowledge all of these good gifts of life. What a lunch. And then as we were leaving, he said to me, he said, now Stan, you take care of yourself. You know, you mean a lot to a lot of people. You take care of yourself. You know, I thought he couldn't even say goodbye without lifting me up. And and then I thought, what a wonderful way to live. What a wonderful way to live. You know what Paul was telling Timothy? He was telling Timothy that Christians should be rich. Really. Now, I know you're surprised by the preacher standing up here and saying that a Christian should be rich. And, and so let me explain myself. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about that Christians should be rich because God smiles on those of us who have enough faith and God uh, causes us to benefit by increasing our bank accounts. I'm not talking about that. Because prosperity gospel has this way of discounting the poor as not being in God's economy. Do you get that? Do you get that? But Paul was talking to Timothy about how we should be rich. How we're called to be rich. Now I want you to listen to it. As for the rich in this world. Charge them not to be haughty. Nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches. Uncertain riches. But on God who richly furnishes us with everything to enjoy. And then Paul broadens that definition of rich. God brings all of us, uh, sisters and brothers in the faith, into what it means to be rich. And he tells young Timothy, do good, uh, do good and be rich in good deeds, rich in generosity, rich in the way that you give to others and lift each other up with the liberality, thus laying up for yourselves a good treasure that is a foundation for your future so that all of you may hold to life which is life indeed. Did you get that little twist that Paul gave us? Well, he had a word for those who are rich and who have a lot of stuff, money, stuff, things, whatever. Tell them not to be haughty. But let me tell you something. Whether we have a lot or whether we don't have a lot materially, we are called to be rich and then he defines it, rich in good deeds, rich in our liberality, in the way we share with others, rich in our generosity, rich in the way that, um, that comes to understanding life as a gift and holding on to life that really is life. This other orientation that really is life, that's really what it's all about. You know, we associate rich with having money. And how we feel about money and how we feel about what we have, the stuff we have. But being rich is about a generosity that is other-oriented. People can have all the money in the world and not be rich, but be spiritually bankrupt. You know, a Methodist preacher in Columbus, Ohio shared with me that he was visiting with one of his most wealthy and influential members. And he had made an appointment. He went up to his office that was on a high-rise floor, kind of a penthouse office. This man was very wealthy and very renowned in Columbus. He was talking to him, he said, the preacher did. I was talking to him about the problems of today and particularly the problems in our church. And I was seeking his advice. And the more I talked about the weight of life this man just got up from his desk and he walked over to the window and he just started peering out the window on this 7th or 8th floor. And it was quiet for a long time, it seemed. And and then he turned to me and he said, You know, Tom, I've kind of got it figured out that God will ask us two questions when we knock on heaven's door. And I really mean this, he said. And the first question God is going to ask each and every one of us is this. What have you done with all that you have had? He said, you know, that's an easy question. We can all kind of remember what we've done with what we've had. We can can get in touch with that. But he said the second question is going to be tougher. He said, God's going to ask us... and who did you do it for? Who did you live for? You see how we use our money tells a lot about who we are but recognizing what we do with what we have and who we are is a great show of gratitude to the one who gave us life in the first place, who is the one we live for. It's our God. And we as Christians see that, our God in the person of Jesus Christ. The world is hearing too few stories of persons and witnessing too few testimonies from Christians. Who have this understanding of life being a gift. And the way that we're to live life is to live life out of gratitude. Saying thank you to God and thank you to others whom God has used to bless you. Uh, so that you enjoy life. We're called to live with a joy that causes people to wonder what we're on. Kind of. We're just high on Jesus, Right? You know, so often our witness doesn't underscore what we truly believe. That life is a gift and we're called to a great gratitude. We're called to be rich in the way that we respond to God and the way we respond to others by trying to outdo one another with loving our neighbor. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. You know, we can lose our treasures. We can get off we can get off course. We can get absorbed in the problems of life and 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 we can become sarcastic and cynical and we can we can be overwhelmed where that joy leaves us and the treasures that we've been putting up, we've been putting up the wrong treasures, and they won't lead to a foundation for life. We're called to remember that Christians are. Are those who do good deeds, and we're good, and we're grateful, and we're we're generous, not because that saves us, but in response to the God who saved us, because it's Him that we do it for. You know, I had somebody tell me something one time that I it really, he was correcting me really, so all you know it kind of made me mad from the beginning. (laughs) He was right. He said, it's improper for us to say we serve our neighbor. You don't serve your neighbor, he said. You serve Christ. You serve Christ, and and, and you serve Christ by responding to your neighbor. You see, that's an understanding about who you're living for that we need to really get. We need to get beyond our hang-ups with people. They don't look right or smell right or act right or whatever. It's not about them. It's about Christ. It's about what we do because we're doing so for Christ. You know, it's so easy to study stuff these days. I mean, you just Google You you know, and and the world's just absorbed. Our world is just absorbed with politics right now, aren't we? Really. And it's not going to get better for a few weeks. So for some strange reason, I googled uh, great Texas politicians, and and I came across um, the life and started studying for just a little while, this colorful congressman who went to Washington, this crusty old guy from not too far from here named Sam Rayburn. Now, I've heard about Sam Rayburn. He was in the Congress for 50 years as a United States representative from Texas, from Fannin County. He was the Speaker of the House of Representatives for 17 years. He was uh, a leader in the House of Representatives, even either the majority speaker or the minority speaker, for 21 years. It's still a record. He was LBJ's mentor. And you know, I started reading about his life and it was just it was just so powerful and all the things that he did or had a part in doing. And 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 then I I started thinking, you know, this guy has to have a faith to do what he's done. And I I sure hope he's a United Methodist. (laughs) Then I just kept on Googling, just waiting for UMC to come up. It said Sam Rayburn was a person of strong faith. He was a primitive Baptist. You know what a primitive Baptist is? You know we—that's uh, not just your old common Baptist. This is a primitive Baptist, and and sometimes we call them old line Baptist, or or we call them hard shell Baptist, and that's a proper name for primitive Baptist. I know I've talked to two of them who were raised primitive Baptists today. And 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 it said that a lot of things that he did, he was so driven by. You know, making the political deals, but, but, but he was also so driven by a care for humanity in his politics that it was all driven by that character that came out of his faith and the people who opened that faith door for him. So we can celebrate being primitive Baptist. And, and then I heard this story. I read it about how one day a teenage daughter of a Washington reporter, let that sink in for a while, had died. This reporter's daughter had died. And early the next morning, Sam Rayburn went over to this reporter's house and knocked on the door. He said, I just came to see what I could do to help. And the reporter said, Well, Mr. Speaker, we really don't need any help. Said, We're overwhelmed. We're 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 so sad, we don't know what to do, but said, All of the arrangements have been made. I don't know what on earth I could get you to do. And Sam Rayburn said, Well, have you made your morning coffee? Uh, the man said, Not yet, because it was six thirty in the morning. He said, can I make it for you? The reporter said, well, okay. So he just, here's the Speaker of the House of Representatives, just walks into this Washington reporter's house, into his kitchen, starts finding the stuff, starts making the coffee. The reporter said, I didn't know what to do. He said, it was just such an overwhelming experience. That said, I knew that he had a, a, a standing breakfast date with the president on this first Wednesday or whatever day it was of the month, and I said, Mr. Speaker, didn't you have a breakfast at the White House today with the President? And Sam Rayburn said, well, yeah, I did. But I called the President and I told him that I had a friend who was having some trouble and I just wasn't going to be able to be in today. You know that story. Really does get in the to the essence of what I'm talking about. You think that reporter ever, ever, ever forgot that act of kindness when his heart was broken to pieces? You think people will ever stop talking about what Rayburn did? It wasn't about making a cup of coffee. It was about sharing the love of Christ without saying a word about Christ. Do you get it? Rayburn wasn't at that door for him. He was at that door for Jesus. And you know, no matter what we do, whether we're a politician or where, wherever we work, whatever we do, it's our Christian call is to be Christ and to do for Christ wherever we do. Now, I've got an assignment for us today. Carrie Lynn is going to come up here in a minute and she's going to talk a little bit about our, our commitment card. This card is like it usually is except for the fact that this year we're going to ask you to make two years of commitment. We're not going to do this till October the 7th, but we want you to know about this card today. And as always, you can give to your heartbursts. And 30% of that heartburst given goes to make sure the air is on and the bathrooms are clean and all of that. And you can give electronically, and many of you do. And I want to thank you. I want us to pray about this. This I'm going to be praying for you and making your commitments. And praying that this will reflect, in part, your generosity. But here's what I'm going to really be praying for you. You may want to write this down. This is your assignment. I want to hear how you've done when you come back next Sunday. I pray that today... Everybody who hears this message today will leave with a commitment to acknowledge your life as a good gift from God. And that God wants to send your way that which causes you to enjoy life. And and I want to pray that God will lead you and lead me to a different person every day starting with today. And this is a person that you need to say thank you to. Because they've done something for you. You may have to drop them a letter or make a call. This person may not even be alive anymore. So you may have to thank her or his children or grandchildren. But I'm going to pray that God will bring to your remembrance this week. Every day of this week. Somebody new that you remember and you thank God for. And then you thank them. For what they've done. It could have been something huge. It could have been something so small and yet so significant. And I'm going to pray that you don't stop there, but that you will find a way to be generous beyond just thinking about your generosity and your giving your money. I want you to think about how you can give to that cause that God has put on your heart That's an other oriented cause or you can remember somebody who is really in need and you can reach out to them because you know God has put their need in your way and you're called to go to that person be generous whatever that means You know, I pray that God will surprise you every day of this week. And when when God does, you write it down. You write that down. This happened on Monday. This happened on Tuesday. You write down what God has put in your way. It may be that person. You know how God is. God will bring somebody, and you've got to be saying nearly out loud, saying, that's the one. Go do that. You say, oh, no, I can't do that today. That is so embarrassing. And what's this guy behind me in this car going to do? You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to give that panhandler $5. That'll make me look weak. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not making a case for panhandlers. I'm just saying God does strange things sometimes. And you know when God said, yeah, that's the one. Well, I don't believe in that, but I want you you to do something you don't believe in because I believe in it. That's what God says. You just watch and write it down because I'm going to be praying about it. That God is going to produce so many acts of generosity this week coming out of this church that it's gonna just be transformative to you and to maybe someone you don't even know. Now listen, I'm gonna get started today. Dee Dee, I gotta leave. Where are you? Carrie Lynn, I gotta go. I gotta to go to Chandler. That's my hometown. My parents are having an open house in their new house. And they've invited everybody in town. So I'm going to probably get caught up today on all the people I need to say thank you to. They're going to all be in one place. Or a lot of them will. But I'm going to dedicate this day to saying thank you to a whole lot of people who've made a difference, some of them all my life, but some of them more recently. That's the way I'm starting my week. Why don't you join me? Amen.